Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, March 3rd, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, state lawmakers put the FU in funnel week, and 2024 really gets going with both Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis planning trips to Iowa soon. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. With me today are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Aaron, and bravo. Well played. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there was, you know, the old standard is putting the fun in funnel week, and as we'll get to here, there was nothing fun about what Tom, Caleb, and I experienced last night. Uh, speaking of which, uh, here is Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough, a well-rested Caleb, I'm sure. How's it going this morning, Caleb? It's feeling very energized and well-rested, Aaron. <laughs> I hear your your tone does not match your words right now, Caleb. I'm, just... I'm trying to I'm trying to <laughs> positive thoughts through it. We have Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times with us. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Aaron. I'm probably the one person on this podcast that may actually be well rested. <laughs> there you go. So if we all start to fall off, it's all on you to finish it, Sarah. No pressure. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Hello, Todd. Hello. All right. First up this week, as we've been alluding to, it was funnel week in the Iowa legislature, but it felt a little more like funnel month as we all sat there on press row in the Iowa House late last night, Thursday night, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, a marathon Thursday brought to a close the first legislative deadline of the 2023 session. Uh, so, um, and and just to fill in the blanks here, it, we were just talking before we started recording, uh, <laughs> trying to remember, and it was one uh, thirty, technically Friday, one thirty a.m. before uh, the last of the legislative activity uh, concluded. So another one of those uh, occasional uh, sessions that go into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, so so let's, uh, but it was the end of a very momentous week. Um, the first funnel deadline where bills have to be out of committee in the chamber that they were introduced uh, to remain eligible for consideration moving forward. So uh, uh, a lot of big things to talk about, a lot of bills that didn't, didn't survive the funnel. Uh, Let's go around the horn here with our um, cheery uh, running on fumes legislative reporters. Uh, and Caleb, since you got the least sleep last night, we'll let you go last in case you want to sneak in a little nap here while the rest of us answer. <laughs> so, Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, just kind of maybe set the scene. Uh, what would have been the dominant uh, themes of the session overall so far? And then give us any uh, thoughts you have, Any uh, what were some of the biggest headlines out of Funnel Week? Yeah. So obviously one of the the major themes that uh, we've seen this legislative session and that we've seen this uh, Funnel Week is this issue of parental rights and um, what we should be teaching in classrooms and the uh, curriculum and library materials that students should have access to, particularly when um, the instruction in those materials deal with issues related to um, gender identity, sexual orientation, um, and in some cases talking about uh, issues of race. So, um, you know, we saw a flurry of bills dealing with um, legislation impacting LGBTQ students and youth, 
Um, we saw gun regulations. Um, we saw uh, lawmakers pass Governor Reynolds' sweeping state government reorganization bill. Um, but, you know, again, by and large, one of the dominant themes has been this issue of parental rights and parental choice. And related to that, um, it was interesting, the discussion that came up in committees on that issue when we get to legislation related to healthcare for transgender Iowans. So um, lawmakers in uh, both chambers advanced a bill that would ban transgender youth from receiving gender affirming healthcare. And it was an interesting discussion because Democrats um, kind of went on the offensive and uh, attacked Governor Reynolds and attacked State House Republicans who have been, you know, championing parental rights, saying that, you know, it, it's interesting. You say that, you know, parents know what's best for their children, and yet we're going to pass this legislation, we're going to pass this bill that is going to prohibit parents from being able to make decisions um, about um, seeking medical care um, for their child, you know, if they are transgendered, um, you know, if they're dealing with issues about their gender identity and, and, and you know, want, um, you know, that, that gender affirming transition care for their child, now they're not going to be able to make that choice. And so it was interesting, that conversation about um, Democrats kind of casting House Republicans as making kind of this um, sudden switch, I think, as one um, Senate uh, Democrat said about, you know, now all of a sudden we can't trust parents um, to make um, decisions about um, medical care um, for their um, for their child when it comes to um, this gender affirming health care. Yeah, it was interesting uh Tom, like you say, that that was um, the red line on parental rights, uh, parental choice, uh, as we said that, uh, as you said, that Republicans have been talking about uh, for extensively, not just for this session, for a couple of years now, going back into the pandemic, talking about school choice. We heard a lot about parental rights. Um, and, uh, and then this is, uh, where that line is, has been drawn. And, and we asked, uh, Speaker Grassley about that, Wait, uh, man. Speaker Whitford wasn't around to, uh, to field questions, but, uh, Speaker Grassley Please. took questions from the state house press corps and we asked him about that. And, and, um, he, uh, he said, uh, that the house Republicans uh, just aren't comfortable, um, with this kind of treatment for young people, even, um, if, the parents and the physicians are okay with it. Um, so you, so you're right. That was, that was a, been a very interesting uh, kind of, uh, I don't know if progression is the right word there, but um, um, I'll, I'll just uh, take a, a quick turn here and say this session uh, to me has been pretty remarkable in its um, I think volume is the word I'm looking for. And, and, and when I, even as I step back out, um, and think about it because it, it, we're into what the I think it's the seventh year of the uh, Republican majority uh, trifecta. Uh, they won it in 2016, so 2017 was the first year. Um, and you know, it, it's funny to kind of think uh, as, as some of those years have started to stack up, and in some of the interims here, uh, some of us state house uh, press reporters have uh, said to each other. Um, Man, at this point, I, I don't know uh, what they have 
left to do. They've you, you got to think they've done everything that, that they would want to do. And if, if nothing else, this session uh, proves what a, what a silly thought or question uh, that was, because uh, obviously uh, we've seen all kinds of new topics and, and pieces of legislation and, and, and directions that the uh, major, majority of Republicans have gone. And, and so it just shows that there's a, <laughs> always something more to be done out there. Always another, um, uh, you know, range of policies that uh, uh, the majority party is going to want to address. And, um, but, but yeah, to, to, to circle back to my point, it's just uh, this session and, and this funnel week was a magnified example of that. But uh, this whole session has, has just been um, just remarkably paced uh, from the start. I, I can't think of another one uh, like it. And it's going to be interesting uh, to see, um, how that pace looks moving forward now that we're past the first funnel and a lot of bills are dead now does that pace slow down a little bit or um do we keep going and we got uh, amazing headlines every day at the capitol it'll be it'll be interesting um but yeah funnel week just magnified that and obviously thursday especially uh speaking of which okay caleb uh now that you're all rested up uh what did you think this was your first funnel week what were your impressions of a, of a funnel week. And uh, were there any surprises uh, to you regarding legislation that either survived the funnel or, or maybe some that didn't make the cut? Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as broad impressions, I think Tom took the, uh, the top line items there. Um, it was, it was a, um, you know, it, it was a busy week, obviously, but um, yeah, looking at some of the things uh, that, that didn't pass specifically um, there was a, Bill from Senator Brad Zahn that um, dealt with expanding the number of um, medical cannabis dispensaries in the state from five to 10. Um, it would also have allowed uh, the use of vaporizable raw cannabis in the medical program. Um, so that that did not pass. Uh, Zahn told me yesterday that uh, there, there was the main opposition was to the dried raw vaporizable cannabis portion. Um, the medical cannabidiol board this week actually uh, shot down a proposal from one of the companies that um, works in the program to add that to the the list of uh, provided products. So that um, Zon said kind of turned, uh, made that, that kind of an un, unviable bill this session. Um, it's unclear whether the kind of dispensary expansions could come back under, you know, a different proposal, but um, that one uh, fell through. Um, obviously there was um, the, proposal there were a, a couple of proposals on um banning gay marriage in the state and a ban on abortion uh both of those did not go through uh house and senate leadership uh, those were both filed in the house and house leadership uh pat grassley said there was no interest in in, in those they weren't going to hold subcommittees and um obviously the house leadership has said they want to wait until the results of a supreme court case until a um until uh, enacting any further abortion restrictions. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting was there were a couple of bills that were filed and one even made it to the committee list, but did not, uh, it was on the judiciary, but it didn't, um, it got pulled that would have restricted, uh, social media sites by age. So, so the house had a, um, bill that required, uh, anyone under 16 from create to get parents permission to create a social media account or an account on a gaming site. Um, and that, so that one was on the agenda for the judiciary committee last night, but it got pulled. 
And another bill that was introduced by Representative Henry Stone did not get any schedule at all, but that would have banned people under 18 from having a social media account at all. Um, and obviously these had different enforcement mechanisms, but um, it's kind of a new territory. It's unclear how exactly that could be enforced, but um, it's interesting to see those bills. So Yeah, th- th- those are a couple of great ones that you added there. And, and uh, just to pull the curtain back a little bit for your listeners, you're listening to live story editing because as soon as Caleb mentioned that uh, social media account legislation, I remembered to add that to our list of bills that did not pass uh, the funnel, which uh, watch for that uh, coverage in, in your uh, Gazette and Lee papers uh, uh, over the weekend here. Um, we'll have all kinds of coverage uh, uh, kind of wrapping up the funnel week and looking ahead. And, and like I said, also our um, standard uh, kind of list of the, the highlights of the bills that did and did not pass um, the funnel, all the ones that you've heard uh, here uh, on the podcast, uh, plus many, many more. Um, okay, Todd, you're, you're writing, uh, I think, a little bit about the session and, and the funnel uh, for this weekend. Um, uh, how, how are you uh, talking about what you've seen uh, these first few months of the session or, or, or this week? Well, you know, when you when you think of a funnel, you maybe think of a tornado, but I mean, this <laughs> not the cake, yeah, no, you- or the roller coaster. <laughs> uh, but uh, this this seems more like kind of a like a big long derecho. It's you know you, you just keep wondering when it's going to end, how much worse it's going to get. Uh, I mean, they they basically use their immense power, which has been handed to them by voters. They have larger majorities in the legislature. They have a. Uh, governor's office and most of the other uh statewide offices the supreme court is conservative uh and they're they're using that power to basically reshape sort of the way a lot of us think of iowa sort of the landscape of politics and society and culture and i mean this is a state that's always has long prided itself on its on its public education system and we see this session they've passed and, and signed a bill into law that would spend billions to allow over the next decade to allow students to leave public schools and have their their tuition paid for with public funds. Uh, and then the public schools have been maligned throughout the session to justify these um, these bills that are, you know, seeking to to banish books to a, a blacklist where only a parent's permission can let you going to let you access them, uh, you know, getting rid of the curriculum on, uh, on gender identity and elementary grades. And, and, uh, and, and then, then of course this gets into the LGBTQ bills that we've seen. Uh, and, you know, Iowa has always has prided itself on being ahead of the curve on civil rights, but these bills are, are going to do a lot of harm to transgender kids. Uh, not letting them use the the bathroom that corresponds with their gender identity. It's been shown that that makes them less safe. Uh, not being able to get gender affirming care. That's also we heard from experts that said that this is this is important for their mental health and their well being. And you have to have parent parental permission. So we're just seeing all these changes. All of these rollbacks of things that were once points of pride for Iowa that are now being sort of swept aside. And, and, and those were, they not only were points of pride, but they were things that Iowans felt that they built. And now we've got an agenda that's basically a series of cookie cutter proposals that have been passed or are being considered in all sorts of red states. Uh, it, these are, you know, no longer 
necessarily ideas that that came from Iowans. You know, we got you know we're we're doing Ron DeSantis's education uh, program, and we're you know following Texas and other states on LGBTQ rights. Uh, it's you know it, it, they've got the power to do it, and they can claim that voters gave them a mandate to do it. But I'm I'm not totally sure that this is what Iowans thought they were getting when they when they gave Republicans more power in the state house. So um, just one thing I, I wanted to add, um, just a, an interesting wrinkle from last night's House Judiciary Committee um, when Todd was talking about um, the bill um, that would uh, restrict or prohibit gender affirming health care. Uh, Republican Megan Jones of Sioux Rapids um, introduced uh, or proposed an amendment that would have allowed um, the care with parents consent a practice that already happens, but um, the amendment failed and uh, the chair, um, Republican uh, Steve Holt from Denison, uh, urged his members to, to, to vote against it. So I just, I thought that that was an interesting wrinkle showing that there are some divisions within the Republican Party um, on um, some of those issues. Um, and, and, you know, interesting that there are Republicans, namely Megan Jones, as well as um, Republican Brian Losey of, of, of Bondurant, um, you know, saying, look, parental consent is already, um, you know, a requirement for um, for minors um, to get this this type of care. Um, anyway, I just I thought that was a, a, an interesting wrinkle from last night's discussion. Well, and are they are they uh, is it, at least one of them is an attorney, correct? Or, is, or both of them? Uh, are they both attorneys? Um, Lo- Lo- I don't think Megan Jones is. Bri- Brian Losey. Well, yeah. he and he knows that you know with regard to the, to both of these, especially the bathroom bill. Uh, that I mean, under current you know under current Iowa law with gender identity protected by the, the Civil Rights Code. I mean that that's going to be that that bill is going to go to court, and I, I don't know that it's going to fare that well. You know, unless they, I mean, they didn't move the bill that would remove gender identity. So I don't know how that exactly is going to work. Yeah, they did insert an amendment in there saying that um, nothing in the bill um, should be um, construed as uh, violating um, the Iowa Civil Rights Act. But I don't know that that necessarily gets around the problem and that that necessarily, you know, will, um, you know, prohibit lawsuits or legal challenges against it because you're not amending the Iowa Civil Rights Act. Um, and um, yeah, Democrats as well, you know, noted and pointed out um, the issues that happened in North Carolina when they passed um, a, a similar ban um, and kind of the backlash that happened from that um, and, and impacts that that had with, um, you know, workforce recruitment and retention issues and, you um, you know, um, it, it, you know, big name employers events, you know, threatening to <clears throat> pull pull money out of the state and and um, and, and anyway, and then ultimately a, a couple of years later, um, they ended up repealing that provision. And I think that was the the bathroom bill, Tom, right? Not the. Oh, sorry, that was the bathroom bill. Yeah, no, you're right. My bad. Sorry. And also, kind of in that same universe. Um, the, the bill that passed this week uh, out of a committee that would ban um, public universities from spending money on diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, offices and officers. Um, you know, I just thought that was worth noting because um, it's, you know, it's a very large portion of a lot of these universities and, you know, serves a lot of different 
communities. Um, but, you know, that one also was opposed by, I think, two of the Republicans on that committee. Um, uh, the names are Chad Ingalls was one of them. And I think um, Representative Thomas Moore. Um, and yeah, I think that just it, it's interesting to note, you know, especially given the large majorities that Republicans have in the state house, they can they have more room to be passing these more, uh, I guess, conservative um, agenda because they can lose, you know, 13 votes and still in the house, at least, and still pass these items. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, Caleb. And that may circle back to what I was talking about is, is how the, the kind of the shift in, in the, um, the expansion into this session being, uh, you know, having even more bills to, 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 um, to, to run and tackle, um, that, that could be no, in no small part because of exactly what you said is that, Majority continues to grow. Uh, there's uh, more and more things they can run because they can lose more. Like you see, exactly like you said, they can lose more votes and still have still have 51. Um, plenty going on, obviously. Plenty of bills that survived. Uh, will be plenty to talk about as we monitor this session uh, going forward. Um, and like I said, uh, be sure to check out our coverage, uh, watch your, uh, Gazette and Lee papers over the weekend, uh, for our coverage as we, uh, uh, again, wrap up final week and look ahead. All right. Well, let's put the funnel and the legislature behind us for a little bit and get back out on the campaign trail, the caucus campaign trail, because stuff's getting real now, folks on Thursday of this past week, as if Tom, Caleb, and I didn't have enough already going on that day. Both Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis announced that they will be visiting Iowa this month. DeSantis, the Florida governor, arrives first for events this next Friday, March 10th, in Davenport and Des Moines. And then after that weekend, to collect ourselves, Trump will be in Davenport himself on Monday the 13th. So, heads up, Sarah. Incoming. but seriously, uh, Sarah, what makes Davenport so special? What, why are these two who are far and away the early favorites for the Republican nomination for president? Why are they both uh, making their uh, first stop in Iowa? Davenport, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think in Scott County in particular, so, you know, the at least DeSantis is making a stop in Des Moines and Davenport. And so those are uh, obviously Des Moines' biggest, the biggest city in Iowa, um, Davenport, I think probably uh, travel logistics are fairly easy. There's a air, airport in Moline, um, but also in Scott County in particular, these 2022 midterm elections, Republicans did really well in Scott County. Um, there's a pretty strong bench of Republican legislators now from Scott County. There's really only about, I think, three Democratic legislators um, in the county. So there's there's quite a few Republican lawmakers. Um, we got a visit from Carrie Lake that there are a lot of people that came out to visit um, uh, her and Governor Reynolds also received a really warm welcome um, on her uh, right just before the 2022 midterm election. So um, I think, and I know, um, uh, shout out to uh, Brianna at the Des Moines Register. She put together like the 50 most wanted um, uh Republicans ahead of the caucuses. And there are a couple of Scott County um, Republican women that were on that list. So I think they probably um, know that, well, one, uh, Scott County 
Republicans did really well in the last midterm elections. This is a fairly big population center in Iowa um, with the third largest city here, fairly big metro area. Um, and then travel logistics are good. The, um, and then it's also at a part of the state that people could get to that's away from Des Moines. Um, you know, people I from Cary, at Cary Lakes event, people came from Muscatine or farther northern Iowa, even people from Illinois. So, you know, you've you've uh, got kind of you're reaching kind of a different part of the state. Um, and also like Trump went to western Iowa just before the midterms. Um, so, you know, he's been there before he I was looking back in our archives and Trump was at the Adler um, just before the uh, 2016. Republican caucuses. Um, so, you know, he, he's, uh, and that, the, I should say the Adler's where he's going to be um, here uh, next following Monday, week from Monday. So, um, so they've been there before and we're not sure yet where DeSantis is going to be, but um, yeah, it'll definitely be a busy few days here in Davenport for Republicans. Yeah, a couple of really good points there, um, including uh, you noted, and this is something I had been thinking about, um, that uh, uh, when you come to Davenport, you can draw from Illinois as well. And, and that, in, for Trump in particular, seems to be, um, I don't know whether coincidental or intentional, but that seems to be a staple of his travel strategy, at least to Iowa. He's almost always either on the Mississippi or Missouri River. Um, uh, you noted the last year, uh, Sarah, that he was in Sioux City just before or Sioux Center, I think, just before the election, but in another oh, cycle, right. he'd, yeah, he'd, he'd gone to Sioux City, uh, so he's there, and you can get, um, I know he's been to Council Bluffs, um, um, he's done events in Dubuque, so may, maybe almost always is, is a little bit too strong, but he, he very regularly um, visits these uh, border cities, which, uh, again, it could just be a coincidence, they're also big and important cities for other reasons, but it, but it just kind of feels and seems like part of the reason they do that is to draw people uh, from outside of Iowa um, as well to these things. Um, there's another couple of possibilities here that I have thought about, but I'll, I'll open up the, the field first. Does anybody else have a two cents as to why um, Davenport is a, a, a target for these two big wigs early on? No, it was just in my brain. Okay. Well, the other thought I had was, so to, maybe this is the reason nobody else thought of it is because this is stupid. So tell me if it was, uh, <laughs> but that uh, it's, it's kind of one of those Mississippi river towns that's been among those areas of the state and, and country more generally speaking, that's really been swinging in these last, and now we're probably up to two or three uh, election cycles. Um, uh, you know, they, they, they started as being described as the Obama Trump, uh, counties and areas and and uh, that kind of shift has continued and and I think Davenport kind of fits the profile of one of those and the area more broadly uh, certainly does so that may be another reason as well. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I or Scott County did go for um, Biden, I believe, in 2020. You, Timmy can correct me if I'm wrong. So. Um, or, and and for Hillary Clinton in 2016. So, but it it has certainly um, the area like Clinton County and, and along the Mississippi has certainly uh, been trending toward the GOP in recent elections. Yeah, um, Tom, uh, Todd, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, we didn't throw this in the in the in the kitty uh, coming into the uh, podcast. 
how big a deal is this trip for DeSantis? This is his first time to Iowa, um, I think ever, but certainly since he has become Ron DeSantis, you know, um, uh, how big a deal is this trip? How important is it that it goes well for him to what, however you measure that? Well, I, I mean, I think their first trip is always important and I'm, I'm sure he'll, you know, draw pretty good sized crowds. And I mean, he doesn't, I mean, I don't, I don't know that he, you know, back in the day, he used to have to come to Iowa and uh, explain how much you love ethanol. I don't know if Ron DeSantis will have to do that. Uh, George W. Bush did, but maybe not Ron. Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to draw a lot of interest, big crowds. He's going to probably have the look of a, you know, a front-running candidate, a front-running campaign enthusiasm and lots of curious people out to see him. I mean, I, I would expect his message isn't going to be too surprising. I mean, he can he can come here and and you know talk about all of the ideas that they tried in Florida that are now becoming law in Iowa. And I mean we're we're becoming Florida North without the without the beaches. Well I shouldn't you know Okaboji's got a beach, I guess. It's it's not the same. But <laughs> Florida has beaches, we have beach. Yeah, we have, and they have hurricanes, and we have, you know, blizzards and and derechos, you know, which the, is... the aforementioned tornado derecho. Yeah, that derecho um, felt a little bit like a hurricane. Yeah, um, so yeah, I think it's an important trip. I mean, I you know, you don't want to stumble, you don't want to say something crazy, and I, I mean, like, and in the past, you, if if you come and you set you set this kind of higher bar and this higher tone for enthusiasm for your campaign, like, I mean, we'd been having. I don't, you know, I'll go back to George W. Bush. We we'd been having candidates, Republicans running around for months, and then all of a sudden he showed up in the jet with the Texas Rangers, you know, guarding him. And and suddenly it's like, oh, this this is the guy to beat. It took one day to basically make that make that happen. Even though he wrote, you know, later he ate a raw ear of sweet corn, which but it didn't hurt him. It's surprising, but it didn't. So <laughs> of all but, the stories I've heard, I don't think I've ever heard that one. Yeah, it was like a farmer's market. It might have been in Davenport. Oh my god. It was gosh, a farmer's market and he just grabbed it and just started chomping on it. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What you doing, fair, Texan? I, I I did that once when I was a kid at my my parents' little uh, sweet or my grandparents' little sweet corn patch, and it wasn't too bad. So maybe, yes. maybe he's onto something. It it it, <laughs> it depends on the variety, I guess, and and right. you know that so. that's certainly a worse violation, Midwest violation than the one I saw, uh, which was Marco Rubio uh, walking the Iowa State campus, the the uh, tailgaters before a football game. And was talking to some students playing a game of uh, of bags, uh, bean bags, cornhole, whatever you call it. And uh, they offered him to toss a few, and he shot it basketball style. Oh wow! Yeah, that was that was ah. tough. That was a tough one. <laughs> well, he, it, it's not quite eating raw corn on the cup. That's well, that's... I, maybe I don't know. He could have done it like. Hialeah style. I mean, that's kind of the the Florida version of cornhole, isn't it? Like like, like a cricket or softball pitch. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. That's. Did he make any? Was it? Was this? Maybe he could. No. <laughs> yeah, he could have unveiled the new strategy. Right. He could have been groundbreaking. He was revolutionizing the game. We didn't. We didn't even know it. He was ahead of his time. Oh man! So the the George W. Bush biting into uh, raw. Uh, 
thing is sweet corn reminds me of um the uh i think it was the first field of dreams game with uh, the yankees and you had a bunch of players just take corn right from from the from oh. the field and and bite into it you know field corn not even sweet corn Ooh, and, oh, and, <laughs> at least it yeah. wasn't that bad just, yeah, we're like, skipping farm to market we're going straight from farm to mouth now yeah i think i recall them kind of tossing them into the field then after they'd had a I'm couple sure. bites <laughs> i have no doubt well the raccoons uh, were probably pleased thanks uh, yeah thanks yankees like, yeah <laughs> oh man so if uh ron DeSantis's uh people are listening and you're new to iowa here's some of the things you want to avoid uh uh when you come here trying to look like you belong uh, be be careful all kinds of historical presidents that we could probably do a whole podcast on those kinds of things we could talk about we could do a whole podcast just on full pause at the state fair alone yeah well it's it's a good time of year to come. There's less danger, less less cuisine <laughs> caution. Because it's winter, you just if right. they scoop if they scoop hot dish on your plate, you just eat it. Yeah, and yep. pie, something like that. You can handle that. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, it's going to be interesting. So, so yeah, um, uh, Desantis will be here, uh, man. So we'll we'll just miss it for the podcast. We won't be able to talk about it. On next week's podcast because it'll be going on that day but uh in in two podcasts from now we'll be talking about both of those appearances so um make sure you stick with us and and hear all about that as your team here will be uh on the ground and covering those uh two candidates as uh like i said this this feels like the we've had candidates around a lot especially more recently but uh, this feels like the unofficial starting gun here with these two coming uh, within a few days of each other so ready or not, here it comes. Here we go. 2024 is off and running. But that's it for this edition of On Iowa Pop. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell your friends and subscribe to us on streaming audio services like iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you will receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. And you can subscribe to that on a Iowa Politics Newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. Lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you hear, heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Paleo will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the show, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, Caleb McCullough, Sarah Watson, Jared McNett. Oh, I'm sorry, Jared wasn't here, but we'll say thanks to him anyways. Todd Dorman and our producer, Stephen, producer Stephen Colbert. I'm Aaron Murphy. I swear I know how to talk. Thank you for listening. Along the side of the bow, lucky waves. We live out in the clouds who stir and spill on the wind whipped moon like a cuticle rune filed away and never read by the wind in her swoon for her blue barren womb every kiss was her wish for rain 
but the rain would go mad, become snow, with a laugh along Long Island Sound, where the icebergs conspire, just like barbs on a wire. Along Long Island, along Long Island, along Long Island Sound. Do I bring out the words? Oceans. Why do the waves spell out your name? Along Long Island, along Long Island, along Long Island sound, and our cats will escape. They will go look for their mates along Long Island Sound, where the skies are all scraped by our Empire State. Along Long Island, along Long Island, along Long Island. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.